Hey there, ladies and gentlemen. We've got Quorum. We're ready to go ahead with another Always Be Watching. Dan Barrett, present. Chris Yates. Present. Guys, we're good to go after the theme song. folks this is another always be watching we're here to talk about tv specifically the tv we've been watching chris yates i don't know about you but my tv has definitely been a little bit on the uh let's just say i don't want to say lackluster because that's really a quality judgment but definitely on the volume slide not really a whole lot of tv going on this week not a lot of new stuff but the stuff that has been on i've watched a lot of if that makes sense. It does make sense. So, look, I've watched a lot of different things, but nothing I could really talk about on a podcast. Like, there's no value to me talking about Is that because you're ashamed? Well, no, it's just that, like, if I talked about the fact I've been watching South Park from 20 years ago, <laughs> like, that doesn't really interest anyone. It doesn't help anyone. It would interest me. I'm really keen to hear on your, your takes on the early, because I believe you've started South Park at season one. Yeah. Season one, episode one, Cartman got an anal probe. That's a long time ago. South Park has evolved a long way since then, and I'd be very keen to hear your thoughts on the crude and um, DIY first season. Okay, so this is the thing. South Park, I watched it religiously for the first couple of years, and then I just fell off, and I never quite got back on properly. So I've seen a few scattered episodes here and there, and it's good, and I always keep on meaning to watch it, but I just don't. And so I thought, you know what? I'm going to start with episode one. I'm just going to blitz through and just catch up. And then I'm going to be like just in the saddle and ready to keep watching it for the next 20 or 30 years or however long it runs. Yeah. So I'm like, that's going to be great. But I will say this, the early episodes of South Park, you know, it's certainly good for its time. Like it definitely, it was definitely a radical cartoon of the moment, but it doesn't necessarily do that much for me. And so I'm watching the first episode of South Park and I'm like, you know what, this is fine. You know, I'm just going to grip my teeth and make my way through it. And then you're texting me telling me about the funny episode that you just saw the other day. And I'm like, that is just so much more textually interesting. But anyway, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Why don't you start at the newest one and work backwards? No, because I'm not going to do that. I won't work backwards. <laughs> I, understand. I understand. I'm not Guy Pearce and Memento. I can't do that. I started watching season 22. It's really interesting because I think that's a few. that was a few years ago now. And, um, you know, it's so up to the minute. The cultural references, of course, are very, very... Uh, very very up to the minute because they turn the show around in a week or something crazy so um yeah to see things being discussed that was so recent uh in history but already seemed like a very long time ago it's a, it's, a, it's yeah very interesting from that perspective and it was very funny season 22 first i think i saw three episodes of it and it was good i jump in and out as well and it's like i i sort of have probably watched more than you but um you know, it's just, it's it's a complicated show. The politics are very complicated. The uh, ideas are very complicated. And yet it's presented in this really dumb way. It's, yeah, it's it's a, it's a, it can be a challenging watch sometimes, but it's, geez, it's, it's something. I actually like the politics complicated because it really just sort of proves that the world's an interesting place and people have different types of opinions. That's definitely true. I've got some great trivia about uh, Trey Parker from South Park. Do you want to hear it? Okay, hit me. He is a massive AFOL. Oh, really? You know what an AFOL is, don't you, Dan? Unfortunately, I do. It's an adult fan of Lego. <laughs> That's right. In Lego the movie, I think, I can't remember. No, 
not the Lego movie, but there's a, a documentary, a really well-produced documentary about Lego from a few years ago, and he features heavily in it. And interestingly, he discusses the ideas of how buying a, you know, a Lego set with instructions and building it is um, a, a nice contrast to being expected to be completely creative all the time and stuff. It's a very good bit, and I highly recommend you watch whatever the hell that Lego documentary is called. Not just for the Trey Parker um, sound bites, but for the Lego trivia. I can't believe you derailed this very packed podcast this week to talk about Lego for that long. <laughs> so here's the thing. If you don't know the podcast, every podcast is always somebody's first. Or is be watching every week, myself and Chris, we gather to talk about the shows that we've watched that week. The idea is to give each other like an interesting suggestion of something to watch or, you know, maybe you, the loyal listener, you may go, you know what, these guys, they're on it. Their fingers on the pulse, you know. Maybe I should check that show out. <laughs> really? Oh yeah. yeah no. I guess it could happen. It's a theory. It's possible. Mm. Anyway, Ooh. the thing is that myself and Chris, we've watched like not really much worth talking about this week. But there is one thing that we were both very keen to talk about. Chris, I can't believe we're actually going to dedicate the entire podcast to talking effectively about this one TV show. But we're going to do it. The floor, Chris. The floor is lava. <laughs> Shoddy and the twins enter the basement, a 120 by 60 foot room. Oh my God, oh, it's wow. huge. Oh, holy cow. Clearly it's more than a little intimidating. What, what? Buzz. This is crazy. <laughs> Hello guys. For this game, anything and everything in this room is in play. So push and pull whatever you think will help you. Your aim is to get each player to the exit, and whichever team gets the most people across wins. Speed is of the essence, though, because if there's a tie, the team with the fastest time across wins. And one final rule, don't fall in because the floor is... Lava! So, Chris... Floor is lava. It's taken the world by storm. What's your thoughts? It's certainly taken our house by by storm as well, Dan. Um, as you know, I live with a small, a couple of small people. Uh, one of whom is about five years old, and um, he's become the biggest uh, Floor is Lava fan that is possible in existence. Watching him, watching the show with him, has been great for a couple of reasons. Namely, because I'm sick of watching the other stupid crap that he watches all the time and feigning interest. <laughs> So to be able to get excited about a show, to be able to watch a show with him that is, I, I can't say like, I don't want to say grown up or intelligent or smart or anything like that, but let's say enjoyable as an adult uh, has, been a, has been a lot of fun. Um, I'm also, you know, I'm a big fan of Wipeout and other various shows that involve idiots hurting themselves. So, uh, yeah, look, I mean, gosh, what's not to like about Flora's Lava? I'm sure you're going to tell me. Okay, so there is something that I don't like about the show. But before I get to it, I do want to ex exhibit, I've got some enthusiasm for this program. Okay. So there's a current trend taking place across the US right now with a lot of, let's not say the high stakes game shows by any means, but they're definitely game shows with a comedic bent. But they're like these big, huge concept TV shows. So we've got Flora's Lava, which is the Netflix series. And the idea of Flora's Lava, in case you're unfamiliar with it, which I can't believe that could be the case... <laughs> but the idea is basically that you've got three different teams that are all placed into a room and it's kind of like a... How do you even describe the show? 
Uh, it's like an obstacle course you've got to get from one side of the room to the other side of the room. But you're playing the game that we all played as young kids, where instead of you know, being able to walk across the floor, the floor is lava. So you've got to jump off the couch onto like the dining room table, onto the other couch, and then make your way to, you know, where you've got to be in a room. Each of the rooms that I've got, like in every episode, it's a different themed room. So one week it might be themed after a kitchen, the other week it might be themed after like ancient Egypt. And so there's a different sort of a vibe going on with every week. And as I said, there's three teams and they've all got to compete against each other to get the highest number of team members. And it's three people per team. So the team that gets the highest number across the threshold at the end wins the game. So pretty simple, goes for an hour. In the case of a draw, of course, it goes down to time. So time is of the essence as well. So I haven't seen a draw yet, so... Oh, it happens, Dan, it happens. Oh, spoilers. Uh, I've, watched every episode, I've watched every episode twice now. Oh, jeez. Uh, it's, less, it's less exciting the second time around, but um, not, for my, not for my son, who uh, enjoys even more knowing when the people are going to hurt themselves. <laughs> and who's going to win at the start of it takes some of the anxiety out of it for him. Um, God, it, it's a really fun watch. Now I'm going to even I'm going to pull you up on the bit you said. So in your newsletter, you said that the bit that you didn't that, that you didn't like was everything that happened outside of the lava room. Okay, well I, w- I was going to get to this. This is let's talk about what I don't like about the show. So effectively, the way the show structures, you've got these three different teams that are all competing, and all the team members usually come the, like they're usually themed. So, for example, in the episode I watched just the other night, there was a team of doctors, there was a team of nurses, and then there was a team of party animals who are likely to end up in the emergency ward. Yes, very funny. My question is, if you're going to have these three themed teams, why isn't the actual theme of the room that they're in themed to what these teams are? (laughs) Like, that makes no sense to me whatsoever. Like, why bother with themes if you're not going to actually go full bore with the idea of the theme? So, that's just stupid. But I actually think the show is really unengaging for the first five minutes of the show where they introduce the teams. Because effectively, you just got these sequences with three teams, and they're all shot individually. Um, and they stand there, and they're obviously in a green screen room, feeling really awkward, and so they're trying to make jokes, and none of the jokes ever land. And it's not like Jeopardy, where halfway through, like Alex Trebek comes out and asks them like a funny anecdote about their life, and the awkwardness is kind of the fun of watching it. Like, it really is just a chore to get through, like, the introduction of these people so they can throw you into the lava pits, effectively. I don't understand. You're talking about, you're talking about surely 45 to, 45 to 60 seconds of footage. It, it definitely can't be five minutes at the start of the show. Well, I can tell you from the clip that I just played a minute ago, <laughs> that clip came from five minutes since the episode. And that was the first people go through the door. Like, it really is five minutes at the beginning where nothing actually happens. And my question is this, why do you actually have the three teams all individually, you know, competing? Like, the teams never cross each other at any point. No, but they do talk trash about each other a little bit. So, like, there was one that I saw that was, like, doctors and nurses. Uh, You know, there was a team of doctors and a team of nurses. So, the nurses were able to talk trash about the doctors and vice versa. Yeah, but they were talking trash about them conceptually. They weren't talking trash to the people specifically. (laughs) I think the show would be much better if you actually had all three teams in the same room together where they are trash talking each other and maybe you actually have the host who only comes out and engages with them right at the end why don't you actually have him introduce them and so instead of a terrible green screen thing why not have it sort of like you know when you go to a theme park you know let, let's say that flora's lava is a theme park attraction because sure. it's got the same sort of design totally. style type thing you know you always wait in that room that's themed much like the ride that you're about to go on and you're there and you've got like some sort of theme park host who's, you know, just trying to keep people engaged for a little bit and amp up enthusiasm before you go on to the ride. Yeah. Like, why don't you just have like a little holding pen 
which is themed the same as the room that you're about to go into, and they can trash talk each other a little bit and actually get some energy up. But that doesn't happen because, like, they're all shot in independent days and they're not, like, actually competing against well, each other. They're yeah, just competing. I know. It is clear that they're not shot on the same day or anything. Yeah. But the th- I'm just saying that the, the time outside of the actual period where they're in the lava room, I think there's a lot you could do with that time, but they don't really take maximum like opportunities to really engage with it at all. They just sort of think, let's just get through this so we can get to the main attraction. Like That could be fun in itself, and it's not. I feel like you're reviewing a paddle pop and saying that you don't like the taste of the stick. I don't like the taste <laughs> of the stick. I always chew the <laughs> stick afterwards, and it ruins the whole experience. Uh, look, I... I- I do think that what they do very well with those sections, though, is I think that the branding is very good of the teams. So, like, you don't need a massive backstory about any of them. You don't need this kind of, like, uh, you don't need much more than just, like, the name and the very basic theme of, of of how these people work together. And yet they still have a little bit of a backstory. It's not like American Ninja Warrior where you have, like, a five-minute thing and see them go through, like, the uh, training exercise they can get up to the physical peak performance to be able to do it. <laughs> but they still talk about their relationships to each other and it's still, you know, it's still, like, 90 seconds of them explaining where they've come from and what their deal is. It helps me uh, pick who I want to go for. Yeah, and that's fine, but they could do it in a more engaging way. <laughs> all right, all right. I, I just think that they've got such a great... Uh, you know, like the feature aspect of it, the, what do you call it on a dinner table where you've got like a featured thing that they've created? The, um, are you talking about the, the the main dish that gets served or the thing in the middle of the table? Like the thing in the middle of the table. I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not fancy enough Whatever to that have is. one of them. Centip- a centerpiece. Centerpiece, sure. Yes. So you've got the centerpiece, which is them in a lava room. And that's really fun. That's what everyone's there for. But then he's got this other crap surrounding it. Like, why can't you actually just, you know, just do something with it? Like, put a plum on it. Do you like it more or less than the wise asses on Wipeout who crack the terrible jokes and uh, pat each other on the back? I can't remember the last time I've watched an episode of Wipeout from beginning to end. But I don't remember them having much of a preamble into it. I remember it getting pretty heavily into people like smacking themselves and falling off things. It does take, it, yes, it is pretty quick to all that happens. There's a bit of like, and I did, I do agree that it's a bit disjointed the way that um, you don't see the teams together. But I understand that the, you know, the production has meant that that's not the easiest thing to do. So like just make it way easier by filming them all separately. But I still feel like there's a bit of, I still feel like it's enough rival. Like the fun, the other thing to re- to really taking mind is even though I guess it's $10,000 is at play, not a massive amount of money, but nobody's going to turn their nose up at $10,000. Um, a lot, a lot of the more well-off, uh, I always enjoy when they say they're going to donate it to charity because it's like, Oh yeah, right. You don't need $10,000. Right. Um, but that's, which is of course admirable. Um, but like I, I would throw like teammates into the lava for ten thousand. It doesn't have a lot of like, uh, but you know, it doesn't have the sort of high stakes kind of. It's quite jokey, like the way that they do it. You know, the way that the contestants approach it, and the way that um, they sort of interact with and have make jokes with the environment and stuff. I feel like it's not that same kind of like win at all costs um, uh, competitiveness, which I find refreshing and uh, yeah, interesting. Yeah, so this show, it's the latest in a series of game shows that have launched in the US in the last year or two, which are these big high concept game shows. So I thought maybe we'd talk about a couple of the other ones that are around at the moment, just to give a bit of a point of comparison sure. to what's happening with Flora's Lava. Um, so probably the big one at the moment, well, the big budget one of the moment that I think the network would love to be a success, but I don't think it's quite been as big a show as that ideally like 
and it's largely because I don't think the show is actually very good, is a new show called Don't. And this has Adam Scott, who everyone loves Adam Scott. Who doesn't love Adam like, Scott? I love Adam Scott. You'd have to be crazy. Yeah, so you've got Adam Scott, and then you've got the narrator over the top, which is Ryan Reynolds, who is the executive producer of the show. And the show has very much a Ryan Reynoldsian um, sense of humor to it. Like, it's a lot of, if you've seen the Deadpool movie, it's much like that with a bit of uh, wise crackery going through it. And nothing's really taken seriously at all. There's no real dirty jokes. It's a very family-friendly program. Anyway, let's just take a listen to a clip from it. Welcome to Don't, the show where families can win money for simply not doing things. And if any of you at home happen to be in an action movie defusing a bomb right now, whatever you do, don't cut the red wire. Okay, let's get started. Tonight, we are joined by the Macintoshes. This is Angela, a teacher from Atlanta. She's here with her two sons and ex-husband, Eric, who's proud that even though they're no longer married, they still do normal family things, like go on a nationally televised game show. Their older son, Javier, is a photographer who definitely isn't trying to parent trap his mom and dad. And Jabril, who in no way has been secretly planning this with his brother for years. Yeah, so as you can hear there, it's not actually that funny. No, I'm reading the concept, it's, it, and it seems very complicated. Look, it's it's a little overcomplicated. It's kind of fun to watch, so people get smacked around a fair bit in it, and, like, it's kind of... It's big and it's ridiculous, but at the same time, like, the jokes don't really quite land as much as they should, and so that's where it all just completely falls apart. And, like, Adam Scott's a very, um, you know, genial presence on screen, and Ryan Reynolds has a great sense of delivery to it, so it all should work. But then it falls apart on two things. So, one, as I said, the jokes aren't really particularly that good. And secondly, the casting of the family or the group of friends or whoever's actually competing that week. Mm. Like, I've seen, I think, two episodes, and both of them, the family could not shit me more. <laughs> like, they were just really frustrating. And so for something which is so heavily uh, based around the jokes that are being delivered, you kind of need a group that aren't necessarily going to play along with the jokes too much. Instead, you've got people who are trying to sort of crack wise when they're not really comedians. And it's, the whole thing just kind of falls apart. So you've got Don'ts, which is obviously big budget show, big talent involved, but it doesn't really quite get over the mark. But the show that's probably the closest to Flora's Lava that kind of caught my interest is a thing that's just launched, I think, Fox, called Ultimate Tag, which is exactly what you think it is. <laughs> and it's people playing tag, but instead of just playing tag, it's a little bit more like, say, um, Gladiators, where you've got like these sort of big, ridiculous courses that they have to go through, and there's uh, themed people who are like the taggers, and so you kind of got like three everyday people who'll be competing against some professional taggers, and they've all got like their little shtick that they're kind of uh, working through. I don't have a clip of that because it kind of doesn't really make much sense in terms of audio. It's kind <laughs> of fun, but only in the way that you can sort of watch it at like 12.30 at night going, this is wild. And then you watch it in like the cold light of day and it's like, this is garbage. This is just stupid. Um, yeah. Excellent. But then finally, the one that I think has actually caught the world's attention and people are actually like really into this is Holy Moly, which is a effectively, it's a knockout or wipeout if you want to use a more modern um, TV reference. Wipeout meets um, mini golf. 
Tonight, it's all on the line as new competitors battle it out on the most violent mini golf course that's ever been built. The tallest windmills in the world, four live dragons, and several natural shark-infested lakes all real. Rob, I think maybe this season we need to get a better fact checker for some of your copy. <laughs> Who needs a fact checker when we've got the highest diving board in North America and a bottomless pool? We definitely need a better fact checker for you, Rob. All right, here's how the competition works. Round one, eight golfers face off in a series of head-to-head -head matchups. The winners are going to move on to sudden death round number two. Only the best survive to the final round and play for the golden putter, the coveted plaid jacket, and most important, a spot in the season finale on Steph Curry's masterpiece, The Tomb of Nefertiti, where someone's going to make a putt worth 250 grand. Per ABC's legal department, I am required to let our viewers know that my co-host is not allowed to mention or describe this next hole under any circumstances. <laughs> okay. I'm a big boy, Joe. I can handle it. The next hole up, and you may notice the first thing, it's huge size. One of the toughest holes in golf, it's Uranus. <laughs> you, you okay oh, there? Nope. Just, yeah. Yeah, okay. just cut a little, little something in my throat. Can I continue here? Please. Okay. Golfers will putt up Uranus around the rings and towards the hole. If they run the ball around the outer ring perfectly, it's going to lead to a channel for a shot at a hole-in-one in Uranus. The golfers have to jump across the planets to the other side, and if they fall into the water, it'll cost them a stroke. Uranus is a pretty tough hole, isn't it, Rob? <laughs> yep, so that's holy moly. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah. Um, so if you don't know Holly Molly, it's uh, Rob Regal is the comedian who you could hear giggling away with Uranus. <laughs> yeah, not the peasant guffawing over the top of it, which was me. Um, <laughs> yeah, geez, Holly Molly sounds. Uh, I don't think I'd be that into Holly Molly. I guess the thing that I most like about Floor is Lava. I, I will say I don't think that clip was necessarily the most sort of indicative of Holly Molly. Like the Uranus thing, definitely. Uh, but Holy Moly is actually an incredibly charming, really fun show. I think both you and your son will probably get a kick out of Holy Moly. We'll give it a go. Because uh, I can't... Don't discount I it. I can't watch any more freaking Flores Lava, that's for sure. But the thing, I, I guess, just back to some, one of the things I really do like about it is just how simple the concept is, you know. Like, it's a really, really simple thing. You get the people across, they fall in the thing, they're out. It's so good uh, in that in that respect. You posted an article also to double back to your newsletter again, um, which was about a Vulture article um, that really alleges to answer a lot of the questions that people have about about Flores Lava. The main question that yes, everyone the, wants the production to, of it. The only thing anyone wants to know the name that wants to know the answer is is what is the lava? What's this stuff made of? And um, I got my son quite excited because I said, oh. My friend Dan sent me this article and it's going to tell us what the, <laughs> what's the lava made of. And then you read the article and it says it is its closely guarded secret. Yeah, that was a little bit iffy. What I was actually really <laughs> curious about is uh, two things. One, how did they make the set so that when people are falling on it from a massive height, they're not losing teeth? It's massive, like, hit. And so they, they sort of allude to the fact that it's constructed to, you know, facilitate that. The other thing, and the article is a little bit coy about it, is what are they actually doing when someone sort of falls into the lava yeah. and disappears? Now, because I'm an adult and I know how these things work, effectively what it means is they just stop shooting for a minute and a person gets out of the water <laughs> and, you know, heads off and starts tailing off somewhere. How, and so then they, you know, 
just edit it back from the point where they've gone under the water and, you know, things continue on. Uh, like, I'd imagine that your son wouldn't understand that there was probably an edit point that took place right there. No, no, no. We've we've theorized all kinds of elaborate tubes and tunnels and things <laughs> under there that um, they have to swim to and then get out. It's, it's been amazing fun talking about that. Mm. Um, and the way it, you know, it's chopped very well. But... Um, yeah, I, I think like the fact that there are all these little stupid questions about it really leads to that sort of like, you know, because there's just sort of this very simple concept going on, you really do think about a lot of that stuff and you really do like, well, you know, want to delve more into the whys and hows that they're doing this silly thing. Well, what I'm legitimately curious about is because there is a timer on it. So when the people enter the room, so when they get over the line, like, you know, usually it's about eight minutes is the yeah. supposed counter taking place. Obviously, this is a show which is really like a little bit of fun, but because there is a cash prize involved in it, mm. I think they actually need to make sure that that's a legitimate time count that's taking place. Like there is a legal requirement for them to be able to sure, do that. So yeah. I don't know if people have signed away like some sort of legal thing, which means that they don't actually have to adhere to that counter, <laughs> but I think they actually do need to. Um, so I'm just kind of curious because obviously there's a whole bunch of edit points that probably take place throughout the recording of that. And I'm just, I'm just curious to know how that actually works in terms of a production. Do they stop the clock uh, basketball style and reset? Like, and I, get the I presume that's there. how they have to do it, but like how, yeah. like how rigorous are they actually surrounding that? It's a great time for game shows. I, I, you very quickly there mentioned it's a knockout, you know, so this was a show that we saw as young children. And yeah, um, originally a UK game show. It was a UK one, was it? But I mean, this was a big... You, you may remember there's an episode of The Goodies where they go on and say it's a knockout. Oh man, I don't. But that's top of my list of things to do this weekend. It's fine, that one. Um, but, you know, like that was a very big part of um, the the weekend and it was like Sunday night or whatever it was on and you would um, be very, very excited about watching that. And I still remember like excruciatingly minute details about that, whereas I don't remember things that happened to me two weeks ago. Um, <laughs> why has it been so long until we've seen more shows like this? Like, I guess Wipeout filled the gap for a little while there, but even that sort of didn't seem to be have the same um, impact. I don't know. I kind of feel like every year or two, there was always some sort of big ridiculous... I guess there was all that gladiators and stuff. So like you had gladiators and like there was American gladiators and we had gladiators in Australia. Uh, there yeah. were revivals of It's a Knockout. We saw Wipeout across a number of countries for a few years. Uh, last, well, I'm going to say it was last year, but it might have been the year before. Uh, there was that show that was produced for Channel 7 in Australia, which was people doing uh, like dive bombs into a pool. And so people would go down this massive slide and then however they <laughs> present themselves in the sky before they go and do like a cannonball. The show is called Cannonball. <laughs> it's, it's as That's terrible as it real. sounds. You're making that up. No, because, okay, so the year that I was a um, journalist um, working for Media Week, uh, they'd <laughs> gone and produced that. Like, I was going to go and do a set visit, and then, you know, common sense kind of gripped me, and I just didn't do it. But they did that that year that I was at Media Week, and then, like, the show didn't go to air for, like, another two years after that. Wow. Uh, Cannibal's coming back. Uh, no, it's not. Again, July 2020. Hmm. A new 10-episode competition series, Cannonball. This is my sceptical face. I'm looking at it right now. On the Cannonball premieres July 9, 2020 on the USA Network. Oh, on the USA Network. So they actually sold it overseas. That's <laughs> it wild. It's that way, yeah. Yeah, so they made it for the Australian market with the idea that it was going to be a bit of a template so they could start selling it overseas. And clearly they have. Wow, this is a world first where I'm giving you the scoop on a new show. 
Yeah, for some reason, no one was talking about this at all. <laughs> I can't imagine why. But this sounds like the same thing, a water park stunt competition. It's hosted by WWE star Mike the Miz Mizanin. And, yeah, it's starting permanently on July 9th. So I guess we can talk about that next week. <laughs> oh, look, we absolutely can. So the thing is, like, this is the exact same format. So this trailer totally, was yeah. produced with the idea of being able to sell it like this. Yeah, and they've... I did a legitimate amount, like, large amount of research to try to find out if the format had been produced previously. <laughs> well, it's always interesting. Like, I had I had no idea at that point that... Um, yeah, I, I have no memory whatsoever of the British It's a Knockout. So I've always assumed that was a bit of Australian genius there. Uh, but once again, we've imported it. No, no, no. Like, legitimately, I think Cannonball is the first time that a format has ever been launched in Australia. Is that true? Surely that's not true. <laughs> it's true enough. Villain. It's true enough, you reckon. All right, well, that's cool. So, yeah, uh, do you predict more? Do, do you think we're going to see more big, crazy game shows based on the success of Floor is Lava? Well, this is the thing. So, Holy Moly's doing really well for free-to-air TV in the US. Uh, to the point where they've now sold the Holy Moly format to a bunch of other countries. Uh, so we'll see Holy Moly in Australia later this year sometime. Rob Regal has actually been flown out. Well, actually, Rob Regal hasn't been flown out as much as contestants from Australia have been flown out to the US where it's being done on the US course. Yeah, and what's interesting about Holy Moly is it's actually produced by an Australian production company, Eureka. Yeah. Yeah. So so the US version is produced as well, or no, just the Australian version is produced by... The Australian no, no, the American is... one's produced by Eureka. So oh, wow. If you remember uh, Wes Denning, who I think was a totally wild presenter. Yes. From memory. Uh, he's, Wes. he's like one of the producers on it. Wow. Nice work, Wes. Yeah. Anyway, Holy a, Moly's doing really stretch. well for broadcast TV. You got Flora's Lava, which has been doing gangbusters around the world for Netflix. And I kind of think these are the two that are really sort of driving a lot of enthusiasm around these big format game shows right now. And like right across the US summer, there's been all these other game shows that have been produced. So it's moved away from like big format trivia games. And now it's just these big format ridiculous shows. So as I said, like there's Ultimate Tag, there's Don't, you know, there's a whole bunch that are also on the way. Uh, so far, we haven't seen a revival of Hole in the Wall. If you remember that show from maybe like <laughs> 10 years ago now. I remember something. I don't know. I'm thinking of something different. No, what's Hole in the Wall was a game show that they aired here on Channel Nine. I feel there might have been a US version as well. And people had to effectively there was like a wall that was coming towards them, and people had to contort their body into a very specific shape in order for when the wall reaches them that they'd just pass through the wall. Whoa! High stakes game show. Sorry, I'm googling Hole in the Wall. It was maybe a show before its time. Yeah, it seems that way. Australian game show, Hole in the Wall. Far out. Really existed. Anyway, I'd like to think this week on Always Be Watching, we've given you a lot to think about. I've certainly had a lot to think about because my brain is not doing much while I'm watching Flora's Lava, but that's another excellent thing. How long have I got to wait till season two of Flora's Lava, Dan? I can't watch season one any much more. I'm getting to know all these people way too well. Well, I don't know. Like, short, like most shows, it's usually like one every year. But just based on the success of this, like surely they could pump out like two or three seasons across a year. Come on, give us more Flora's Lava. We need it now. And the thing is, it's not like anyone's still going to be wanting to see more Flora's Lava in three years' time. <laughs> just give us a whole bunch of episodes this year and we'll be happy. It's interesting too. I did think about the fact that it's it totally exists in its own universe, as in there's really no way to date the show or to like, other than the little tiny bits of backstory that you get from the people outside of it. I was thinking about 
how it's it's very interesting in that way that you know you could kind of you could actually watch it in five years time and it's not like it's going to be there's nothing about it that's going to date it in any real way look i mean you could but also surely part of the reason why people are so excited about flora's lava is because one there's a bit of novelty in watching it and also too like there's something to talk about with people like when you talk to your friends it's like yeah i was watching flora's lava <laughs> and like there's a bit of a cultural phenomenon aspect of the show yeah yeah and so outside of that cultural phenomenon, I can't imagine ever pressing play on Flora's Lava. You never know. I'll, I'll be interested to see if it um, if it takes off further. Are we? Is that really what we're going to talk about this week? I think it is, isn't it? I, I literally don't have anything else. Look, I could <laughs> talk about the new Unsolved Mystery series because I did watch that with the express purpose of talking about it on this podcast. But I was so unengaged with the whole thing that I was really hoping just to look the other way and not do it. But I will say, I will say this about Unsolved Mysteries. If you remember all the way back to last week's episode of Always Be Watching, I was complaining about the uh, new version of Perry Mason. And oh, I remember. My grievance was that they brought back nothing of the original Perry Mason for the new Perry Mason, not even the theme song. To Unsolved Mysteries credits, they do have the Unsolved Mysteries theme song. It's a reworked version. It's not as good, but at least it's there. <laughs> at least it's there. It's a very, it's a haunting, a haunting, um, a haunting theme that would really serves it well. So that's good to hear. Is it ever? Maybe we'll talk about it next week if if I get around to watching it. No, we really don't have to. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for having me on the podcast. <laughs> Chris, it has been a pleasure talking about Flora's Lava with you. Uh, we'll be back next week to talk about more big format game shows. <laughs> that's a new thing. Uh, this yeah. has been Always Be Watching. If you've enjoyed this podcast, leave a review. Helps other people find the pod. Uh, also, you can just tell your friends about it. Maybe hit the share button and get it on your social medias. Say, hey, look, these guys spent 35 minutes talking about Flora's Lava. Where else are you getting that value in the podcasting space? Ira Glass, he's not talking about Flora's Lava this week. Like, the, if you listen to The Daily, not on a single day on The Daily have they talked about Flora's Lava. It's not there. you got to know where to go to get the good stuff. Vox do, like, hundreds of podcasts every week, not a single one on Flora's Lava. If you want your Flora's Lava talk, you got to come here. Always be watching. Where the floor is lava 24-7. Indeed. I'm floating right now. Anyway, Chris, I've got to get out of here. I've got some Flora's Lava to watch. <laughs> Me too. I've got I to watch every episode of Holy Moly that I can find. <laughs> Legitimately, I think you'll like Holy Moly. It's a good I'm one. sure I will. Yeah. Anyway, folks, this has been Always Be Watching. We'll be back next week to talk about more Flora's Lava. We need a theme song to get us out. Let's do it. See you, Dan. Chris, no talking over the theme song. Can I sing over? You can sing. Can you beatbox some lyrics? <laughs> That's not how beatboxing works.